This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I got to poo. Yeah, we got to make this quick. <laughs> now, what is that from, sir? It's from the fantastic movie directed and uh, co-written by lead singer of Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst, starring John Travolta. It's a movie called The Fanatic, <laughs> which is on Amazon Prime, which I'm still on my free month. And uh, after they deleted a bunch of the movies I wanted to watch off there, I am a little less enthusiastic about renewing that. But yeah, we'll see. But yeah. The Fanatic... I, I know a lot of, quote, bad movie podcasts did episodes on The Fanatic, and they didn't like it, but, I mean, just to see John Travolta do his fucking, I don't even know what he was supposedly afflicted with, other than just poor social, uh, you know, skills. I think it says he's autistic in the description. I, yeah, I kind of got that, but they don't really, like, tell you straight up in the movie. They're just like, well, here's the guy who likes movies and actors, and he goes too far. <laughs> it's weird how far he has fallen from where he was. It's There's amazing how many... Yeah. Going through the movie list on Amazon Prime, like, John Travolta has, like, five movies that have come out each of the last, I don't know how many years... That like I've never even heard of or seen any advertising for, and it's like when did this movie? When did he do this? I haven't even heard anything about this. Yeah, that John Gotti movie that was panned. I think it might have gotten a zero percent or one percent or something like that around Tomatoes. I think that one got a theatrical release. Yeah, which is why people were actually paying attention to it. But I think he's got a lot of movies that didn't come out in theaters that are on that level or maybe even lower. I was watching Get Shorty the other day and that was 96, I think. And it was just like mid nineties, late nineties. It couldn't get cooler than John Travolta after Pulp Fiction. It was a hot ticket. I forget. Was that the first one or the sequel? Yeah, the first one. Sequel be cool. Oh, that one is been in the um the bargain bin for about 15 <laughs> 20 years now i've seen it once uh i don't know i guess i might revisit it sometime but i don't think anybody has very fond memories of that film I remember vince vaughn is in it i think and uh uma thurman probably i think it came out in like oh two oh three yeah that's what i was thinking it was later maybe like right after kill bill Oh, the sheen had come off of John Travolta. Now he's Santa Claus. Did you see him being Santa Claus on TV? Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> him and Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool to see them together again. Oh, the mighty have fallen. 
Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this today's episode is a makeup for our horror extravaganza. We're doing death proof to usher in the new year, year of our Lord, 2021. And uh, coming up next, we'll do one or two uh, recently seen episodes, but we're getting into our movies we saw in our childhood, a slate of movies. We're going to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, among other titles yet to be determined. I'm excited. I think Secret of the Ooze is probably my favorite of that series. Yeah. Of two movies, which... But they don't use their weapons, Brett. <laughs> the whole movie. But it's funny. It's a <laughs> yeah, funny it's... movie. Vanilla Ice is in there. I don't even know who Vanilla Ice was when I saw that, but I'm like, that, that fucking song bangs. <laughs> oh, man. Although, uh, I think uh, upon rewatching it, uh, if we searched it on Twitter, it would talk about how problematic um, who's the, the Asian character. Forget his name. The pizza boy? Pizza boy. Oh, when he's... <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to pick up the girl <laughs> he's trying to pick up the woman on the on the street what reminded me of that was i read an article yesterday about uh i think it was titled let's talk about how problematic wonder woman 1984 is <laughs> you watched her right yeah and it was all about chris pine's character oh yeah so Diana Prince, this isn't really a spoiler. He's in the trailers. But yeah, he comes back because of a wish. But basically, <laughs> Diana Prince like wished him back and he took over someone else's body and that person didn't give their consent, much less for a <laughs> sexual encounter that followed that evening. <laughs> so this person's bodies having sex without their consent. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't an Onion article. <laughs> Who knows how many diseases Diana Prince has? She's been around since World War One, <laughs> or two, or whatever she showed up. I think it was two. She fought the Nazis in the first one. It's like Wishmaster, but with an hour of stupid superhero shit in between. I don't know if I've seen Wishmaster. It's a lot better than Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very similar. I'm sure premise. it is. <laughs> it's a very similar premise. <laughs> uh, all right well let's get into death proof half of the grindhouse feature film that came out in 07 a double bill with robert rodriguez directing planet terror and tarantino directing death proof and the weinstein's trying to bury it <laughs> allegedly yes. that's all re rewritten history that you know, they changed 12 years after it came out. Although I remember seeing all the uh, pictures with Rose McGowan and Harvey Weinstein. from I believe it was around when this film came out in 07. Because it was much older than like her. She seemed older than her scream, uh, than her scream years. Yeah. So this is 11 years after scream. And they looked like, you know, best of friends. <laughs> uh, we were able to talk to her former manager who committed suicide uh she might tell you a different story than what rose does rose does not to say that i don't believe rose because weinstein obviously <laughs> he did that shit 
I like how Weinstein caught COVID twice. He caught twice, huh? Like, they said he probably had COVID, like, in March or whatever. And then they, they hospitalized him for it. And then, like, six months later, like, he's tested positive for COVID. So now we have to hospitalize him again. You know, and he's all old, old and decrepit all of a sudden. You know, like, less than a year after fucking raping all these women, he's just like, I could never even think about holding a woman down. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't he just die already? I mean, why did why did Epstein get the easy out? Does <laughs> Weinstein was... not have connections like that to take I guess he was a lone wolf. I haven't you heard Epstein's still alive. <laughs> 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 Just look at Twitter. <laughs> I heard Geraldo was trying to get Epstein's girlfriend out of prison. She's yeah. getting raw deal. I didn't go down the rabbit hole in that one, but that would seemed weird. <laughs> um yeah, speaking of Weinstein, I like that it has the Dimension logo in this film. Yeah. It seems like I think the Dimension studio was shuttered before this. Because I don't really remember any Dimension films coming out after about 01. Well, I saw in the, I was reading the trivia earlier. It said it was D- Dimension Films. I forget. Like Dimension Films was, I think, the the one that the Weinsteins owned or something. And then they used the logo for Dimension Pictures, which was a completely unrelated company. Okay. That had closed long before. Check out the big brain on Brad. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. Yeah, let's get into the details here. Death Proof from 2007. Directed and written by Tarantino. Starring Kurt Russell as stuntman Mike. Zoe Bell as Zoe Bell. <laughs> Rosario Dawson as Abernathy. Vanessa Ferlito as Arlene. Sydney Tamia Poitier, who is Sydney Poitier's daughter, just spelled differently. It's a Y in the uh, Sydney as opposed to an I. That's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, Tracy Toms. Rose McGowan as Pam. Sorry, Tracy Toms as Kim. Jordan Ladd as Shanna. It's not Shanna, it's Shanna. Shanna Banana, not Shanna Banana. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Lee. Gwen Tarantino as Warren. Marcy Hariel as Marcy. Eli Roth as Dav. Omar Doom as Nate. Although I thought his name was Omar because he was wearing a, a, like a, a jacket that said Omar on it or a, a shirt. <laughs> Well, there's another, the next character's name is Omar. Oh, that's right. That's Michael Bacall. He's Omar, yeah. Omar was the guy who got cucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate is his character name at Omar Doom. Uh, Monica Staggs is Lana Frank. Jonathan, is it Lagren? Lafren as Jasper. Michael Parks is Earl McGraw. James Park is Edgar McGraw. And Marley Shelton is Dr. Dakota Block McGraw. Suppose I should also mention Nikki Cat as the counter guy. So oh, that's like, is that the, the gas station? Yeah. Synopsis. Synopsis. Two separate sets of voluptuous women are stocked at different times by a 
a scarred stuntman who uses his death-proof cars to execute his murderous plans. I was reading that wrong for a second there. I'm like, scared stuntman? <laughs> what does that mean? He's in the wrong profession. <laughs> well, he was scared at the end. He was. We'll get to it, but he does eventually become a scared stuntman. So I, uh, I didn't look at how long uh, the version I watched was. I know it was an extended version. But do you want to talk a little bit about the different versions and the lengths? Yeah, my DVD said it was 113 minutes. And then you go on IMDb and it says it's two hours and seven minutes. And you go down to the technical specs and it's got runtime, 127 minutes or 114 minutes for the international, 87 minutes for the Grindhouse version. 121 minutes for the extended, 127 minutes for the original, or 113 minutes for who knows what version, which is apparently the version I have. This is the 113-minute version. Let me see if I can find the uh, alternate. Like the alternate versions, like the, it only lists like a couple differences. Uh, Grindhouse cut famously the lap dance scene was cut. There's a missing reel came up instead. Right. So that's one of them. One of the other differences, I guess, in the unrated extended version, like change a line that Zoe says after she gets thrown off the hood of the car. Um, they cut a line out that was in the theatrical version for some reason. And then uh, in the unrated single move version, there's a scene of stuntman Mike watching the girls between leaving the restaurant showing Warren's bar the three walk out of the place drunk and Shanna falls down on her butt then they show the bar and the crazy babysitter twins entering the front door to the song Baby It's You. So those are the only differences that they list so I don't know what the difference is between like the version that I have and then the other like the original version I don't know if that's including like the trailers and stuff or what uh, definitely, I'm not sure which version I like better. It is nice to see like the extended, see the lap dance, see the, all the other extended scenes. Because there's some good stuff in there. Uh, but you also don't, if you don't watch it with Planet Terror, you don't know who the Babysitter Twins are. You don't know the story behind uh, the McGraws at the hospital. Right. And the family tension. <laughs> Although, it's not like it's that important for a Grindhouse film, but Although technically death proof would happen chronologically before Planet Terror. Yeah, chronologically. Because there are people in death proof who are not living by the end of Planet Terror. Yeah. But I remember, like, I haven't seen them as a double feature since the theater because for some reason they released them on DVD individually. Um, yeah, they were, they sure. were trying to make some money back because it kind of flopped at the box office. People don't want to see a three-hour and fifteen-minute horror film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've since bought it. I uh, I bought the originally bought them on DVD, both of them. Yeah. And now That's I have I the have. now I have the Blu-ray Grindhouse as well. But I remember in the theater not liking this one as much as Planet Terror, but it was probably because Planet Terror is so like fast-paced and nonstop and explosions and blood and guts. And then Death Proof is kind of more of a, a slow burn 
and then you know you got a big chunk of action in the middle and then it slows down again it's very dialogue heavy until you get to the big chasing at the end but seeing it alone by itself like i liked it a lot better than when i saw it in the theater and i think it it probably hurt being immediately after something like planet terror where you get your adrenaline going you're hyped up you're wanting more action and then you know they kind of slow it down on you mm-hmm. but i mean that chase scene at the end is one of the my favorite probably movie scenes that you know of all time yeah top five chase scene at least it's very good and it's practical which it should be i like how they make fun of the cgi people in this movie like well yeah. i guess you're we might have a clip for that i don't know but yeah it's in a club but uh yeah i guess uh first notes i have are you know, it starts with the typical Tarantino, our feature presentation. And the, uh, I like that little restricted animation. Yeah. This movie's rated R, restricted. And of course, this has all the aesthetics that would go with a Grindhouse film from the 70s. So it has all the skips, the, uh, the graininess, the bits of dust in there, the film that's kind of very worn out. A lot of times it'd be missing reels because people yeah. would watch it over and over again. Specifically, probably the lap dance scene. So that's uh, <laughs> probably a good idea to make that a missing reel in Grindhouse. Right. Also, I remember uh, a few years ago, I went and saw a 35 millimeter print of Texas Chainsaw. And I was at the Trilon. And like it was a decent shape, you know, as much as an original print from the 70s could be, I guess. Texas Chainsaw, since that was uh, a grindhouse uh, type film. But uh, in kind of the the major, like pretty much around all of the murders, since there's about, what, five or four, I guess. There's five people, but one lives. And then, yeah. Yeah, so just four murders. But um, during like the most intense scenes, like the quality got really shitty and we got kind of yellow, mm-hmm. like a yellow tint on it. And it was, it was pretty rough. So you could tell that they rewatched those specific scenes like over and over again. Yeah. I noticed this time around, like the first half of the movie is definitely scratched up like that. The second half is way cleaner. It's like no, no issues with it. Yeah. And it's like super clean and very few of the the random cuts and stuff as opposed to the first half where there's a lot more of those. And I thought that was interesting that he would it, it is kind of like two movies in one already and it was interesting that they they kind of made that decision to make it you know very much two different movies. Yeah, definitely. The first note I have is feet. Because <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, I saw he's the director of photography, so you know what he's doing. He's looking at them feet. You see, you see feet, and then you see Thunderbolt, death proof. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, <laughs> death proof. <laughs> that would have been a decent name for it, I guess, with the uh, the car. It's probably like I'm sure Stomach Mike maybe called it Thunderbolt himself. 
Right. But it's also death proof. So well, I assume that was pretty, co- pretty common back then where they would, they would have like one name for the movie and then maybe in different markets, they would change the name to something else or, you know, like in overseas, they can call it Thunderbolt, but in America, they have to call it death proof for like trademark reasons or something. <laughs> yeah. Mad Max 2. Nobody saw Mad Max 1. <laughs> That's why, what was that, uh, that Bill Cosby movie that everybody's like, I haven't seen one through five, so I can't. Leonard Part 6? <laughs> Leonard Part 6. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be completely lost. <laughs> I won't know who any of these people are. <laughs> um, yeah, also, keeping with the Grindhouse aesthetic, there's a lot of it's weird because it's like there's a lot of bad dialogue, but it's Tarantinoed, if you will. Right. Because it's like bad dialogue done in a polished way, I guess. You know, a typical sentence in here has 15 words when eight will do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tarantino kind of does that anyways, but it always seems more purposeful in like all of his other movies. If there's a reason for it. I think the dialogue definitely works better when Kurt Russell is speaking it. <laughs> it's like night and day between him and the other actors, at least in the first half. Like in the second half, uh, Rosario, Rosario Dawson's pretty decent. Right. Um, Zoe Bell isn't the greatest because she's a stunt woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is okay playing the ditzy cheerleader. Kim was okay. Yeah, the first one, um, Tarantino was like, "I got to cast a black actor so I could put some N words in here." He <laughs> <laughs> goes, "Samuel Jackson, turn me down for the first time, so I got, <laughs> I got to find somebody else." He wouldn't put the wig on. You know, it's a it's a girl power movie, and Sam Jackson is the only guy that will read my N words on on screen. <laughs> That's probably why he got Sidney Poitier, so nobody could question him, because I have Sidney Poitier in this movie. (laughs) Spelled differently, but it's Sidney Poitier. Yeah, I agree that Kurt Russell, especially in the first half, because he doesn't do a lot of speaking in the second half, but in the first half, when when he speaks, like, it's by far the most interesting dialogue in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of... uh... Some of the actors in the beginning, this Vanessa Ferlito played Arlene. Yeah. So between her and Rose McGowan, how much collagen is in this movie? <laughs> so I don't know, both like, of them look like they're about to burst. I was going to ask, what has she done? Because I haven't seen her anything else, but she's done a lot of TV. I guess she's in NCIS New Orleans or something. I recognized her uh, rewatching The Sopranos. She was in Graceland. Yeah, she was in a few episodes of The Sopranos. CSI, yeah, CSI New York. She was in a bunch. 24, she was in a, a bunch. 25th Hour. I haven't seen that in forever. So. Oh, yeah. I have seen that movie, but I don't, I would, don't think I could recall what her character would have been. But I, where did they pluck her out of? Like, she... She just came out of nowhere, and I never seen her again. Yeah, she was in Medea Goes to Jail. 
Like, I don't think she was, she wasn't bad in here. She wasn't amazing, but hell of a lap dance. Solid lap dance. How about that sexy accent? <laughs> <laughs> Who could resist? <laughs> she had this thick, like, New York accent. It's like, Jesus Christ. It's grating. Mm-hmm. Well, especially in Texas. But uh, what's that one character, Nate? Nate's just whining. He's trying to make out with her. You want to make out? <laughs> that was Is so. She... Uh, I mean, we're kind of skipping a little bit, but not. We're not really skipping stuff that's noteworthy. I mean, we'll get to our first clip here soon, but I thought it was weird that during the lap dance, nobody's really in there. Like the important people are not in there. All of her friends, none of them are in there. Neither is her boyfriend, Nate. I thought, wasn't Jungle Julia in there? No, the babysitter twins are in there. Rose McGowan's in there. Rose McGowan's the only one at the bar. I'm sitting behind him. I think it's that uh, Lena Frank and then the babysitter twins. Warren might be there or something, but everyone else is. Warren's there jacking off behind the bar. (laughs) Along with Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Nate's crying. It's like that Chappelle show, <laughs> The Mad Real, Real World. Yeah. Where, where the guy's girlfriend is having sex in the corner and he's just crying himself to sleep as he jacks off. <laughs> I, had, I had sex with Katie too, man. <laughs> Correction. I had sex with Katie. <laughs> Wrong. Lysol had sex with Katie. I just filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Quentin Tarantino is one of the creepiest characters in this movie. Like he's far too old to be hanging out with the the level of uh, like the age level of females that are in there. And then he's like bringing shots over the table and sitting down, putting girls on his lap. Yeah, but that it seemed like the one he put on his lap was, was like she his lady. I mean, she looked a bit older too. And she wasn't like a model. So maybe somebody that could have been hooking up with Warren. I didn't get the feeling that he was tied down. Yeah, but I mean, he runs a fast and loose cash only business. Did you see the sign? Yeah. John Cash sign, (laughs) cash only, the middle finger. He's, uh, he's, yeah, he's just a creepy guy. I was surprised he doesn't have a sign that says, like, instead of, no shoes, no service. It should say no service, no shoes or something like that. Or like, you know, you got to take your shoes off to get served in my bar. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Japanese restaurant. You have to take your shoes off when you get inside. <laughs> Put your feet up. <laughs> Hang out a little bit. So like the, the first set of girls, it's um, Jungle Julia, Arlene, and Shanna Banana. They're going around talking about their plans for the night. And Arlene tells about how Nate was whiny last night and they just made out. And then they go get tacos. And here comes Mr. Creepy Stuntman Mike in his black car following him around town. I liked when they, they showed stuntman mike's car for the first time like they showed the the girl's car kind of going around the corner 
and before it gets around the corner, it cuts and it just disappears, and then stuntman Lancer <laughs> comes through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a scene straight out of uh, Halloween, the original, with the Michael Myers driving around, <laughs> kind of stalking his prey and then speeding off, basically. So yeah, he eventually creeping along, just looking out the window. Yeah, he eventually gets you know falls into the bar, but. Um, while they're getting tacos, Jungle Julia, or actually, I think Shanna spills the beans. The Jungle Julia said that uh, she has a little contest, if you will, for her friend Butterfly. And they explain that contest, which I don't know if you want to kind of explain what that is. Well, uh, somebody has to... Well, on the radio, she said that uh, she has some friends from out of town. One of them's name was Butterfly. And then if someone came up to her, uh, bought her a drink, and recited a certain poem, she would have to give him a lap dance. Yeah. And in not in so many words, uh, she wouldn't necessarily have to do it if uh, she didn't like the guy. But if it was kind of a cute guy, you know, she, maybe she's a little drunk, uh, loosey-goosey. Uh, maybe she'll do the lap dance and have some fun. And if she's not, or if she doesn't, uh, she's a chicken shit. (laughs) But she can tell the person that she's already done it earlier in the night and they missed their opportunity if she's not comfortable, you know. But anyways, so we get that. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. We already talked about where that leads to. They end up hanging out at the Texas Chili Pit, (laughs) <laughs> which is Warren's bar. Mm-hmm. I always t- asked you to get the Shanna banana clip, but it's, it's not as clear as I had liked it as I thought it was. And then there's like a gap in between. It's like a Eli- rocking soundtrack in the background. Eli Roth calls her Shauna and she gets all indignant. It's Shanna banana, not Shauna banana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eli Roth's pretty funny in here when he's at the bar talking to uh, Nate, uh, not Nate, but, uh, God, now I'm confusing him because he he's talking to the guy with the Omar shirt. Omar. Yeah, the character Omar. Do you think Harvey Weinstein uh, consulted on Eli Ross character's script? Like his, his dialogue? Like we're just we're gonna get him two more shots. Next thing you know, we're gonna be up at like LBJ and we're gonna be banging them up there, and they can't say no because they're too wasted. Uh, he didn't exactly say it like that in my version, I guess. <laughs> it was more or less. He's like, well, he thought, you know, two shots would put him past the point of fucking maybe. And then the other guy's like, so one, no guys at the beach house turns into a couple of guys at the beach house. Yeah. I mean, yeah, still, he's a douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get girls drunk and have his way with them. But uh, no, I love it when he's, they're making fun of Kurt Russell when they see him. He's like, he, he cut his face uh, falling out of his time machine. <laughs> Kurt Russell is just going to town on this nacho platter too. Yeah, he, yeah, I have a note in here. Kurt Russell can really destroy some nachos. <laughs> that was maybe the grossest thing in the movie. And they do all the close-ups on him, and he's smacking his lips and licking his <laughs> fingers. And, oh, it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And then we, we meet uh, Rose McGowan's character, whose name is Pam, who's just shouting across the bar at Warren to vouch for somebody to drive her home. And Stuntman Mike just throws his keys at her. <laughs> and she accuses him of eavesdropping. Like, I don't, I don't think that's how it works when you're shouting across the room. Hey, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> and Jungle Julia just hates her for some reason. We never really find out why. We find out Pam's version of the story. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think this might be the first clip. That it is. Where we get an introduction to Stuntman Mike. Hey, Warren. Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, your chariot awaits. You've been eavesdropping? <laughs> eavesdropping and can't help but here. I think I belong in the latter category. So, uh, Icy Hot, you offering me a ride home? I'm offering you a lift. If, when I'm ready to leave, you are too. And when are you thinking about leaving? Truthfully, I'm not thinking about it. When I do, you will be the first to know. Will you be able to uh, drive later? I know looks can be deceiving. But I'm a teetotaler. I've been drinking club soda and lime all night, and now I'm building up to my big drink. Which is what? Virgin Pina Colada. Okay. Why would someone who doesn't drink spend hours at a bar drinking water? You know, a bar offers all kind of things other than alcohol. Hmm. Really? Like what? Women. Nacho Grande platters. The fellowship of some fascinating individuals like Warren here. Uh, alcohol is just a lubricant for all the individual encounters at a barroom. Ooh, is that cowboy wisdom? I'm not a cowboy, Pam. I'm a stuntman. But that's a very easy mistake to make. How do you know my name? When you were talking with Warren, couldn't help it over here. Fair enough. So what's your name, Icy? Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike. He's Stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he, his profession is his name. He doesn't have a last name. It's just Stuntman Mike. Got into it because of his brother. <laughs> Stuntman Bob. <laughs> And basically, we got a lot of clips. We have seven total today, and they come fast and furious in the first half. Five yeah. in the first half, two for the second. So we could probably just get on to the second clip. I think this is him talking about uh, his resume. Yeah. Just before that, though, he meets Jungle Julia on the porch. Yeah. And he plays coy. You know, are you famous or something? Do you have a billboard by Big Kahuna Burger? And there's this huge Jungle Julia billboard right there, right outside the bar. And That's like, a oh. Hawaiian burger joint, right? I hear they got some tasty burgers. <laughs> and so she kind of makes him feel stupid for it. And, and he yeah. almost sneezes. Oh, that was one of the funniest things. stupid. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things. He's... He's rearing back to have this huge sneeze 
And then it just doesn't come. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, from there, so, so we get that meeting, you know, he plays dumb. I don't know who Julia is and blah, blah, blah. And then he's back inside talking to Pam and, uh, I think it was some of the roller derby girls, maybe. I don't know. Just running down his resume, and they're all just dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got some voucher here. I asked him what movies you worked on. No fucking clue. Well, technically, I really don't know if he's ever done anything for sure. I mean, shows me an episode of Ash Chaparral. A guy falls off a horse. He says it's him. <laughs> You know the show, The Virginian? Yeah, well, there was another actor on that show, Gary Clark, and I looked like him a bit. Well, obviously, before I cut myself shaving. Oh, I like it. Well, damn, if you ain't so sweet, you make sugar taste just like salt. Anyway, I did a lot of Virginians doubling Gary Clark. And uh, and that show turned into the men of Shiloh. They brought on Lee Majors, and I doubled him. From that point on, I specialized mostly in car stunts. Yeah, I did damn near the whole third season of Vegas. I was Robert Urich's driving double. And then Bob did another show, Gavilan. And he brought me with him on that until... And after that... Do you know any of these shows or people I'm talking about? Sorry. No. No. Do you watch any of those shows? <laughs> no. I heard a couple of them, but. I think I might have heard of The Virginian, but I can't remember if I heard of it before or after seeing this movie. Yeah, I heard of The Virginian and Gavilan, but that's about it. Most of them I had, heard, uh, I had not heard of. So it was. But I mean, I think they're all real. Are they all real? Yeah. I don't, I don't think he made up any of those. I think those are yeah. real shows. I suppose what are you going to do? Say, oh, that's fake. Yeah. Never mind that it's a movie, but he's the stuntman. Stuntman Mike. <laughs> you can't prove that he wasn't in it. Sure is. The next thing I have is he decides to cash in on the butterfly contest or whatever you want to call it. You know, after playing dumb before Jungle Julia, all of a sudden he knows exactly about, you know, what the contest is. He buys her a drink. No, I, I forget. Um, I know it's a famous poem, and I'm sure it says in the trivia, but do you remember what poem it is or you know, who wrote it? No, it is in the trivia. I did see it earlier. Do an early fun fact. Let me see if I can find it. Or I'll play the clip while we find it. Cheers, butterfly. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, and I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Did you hear me, butterfly? Miles to go before you sleep. Sorry, stuntman Bert. Mike. Mike. She already broke off that dance. Is that true? Did I miss my chance? Do I frighten you? Is it my scar? 
car. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It's my mom's car. Have you been following us? <laughs> no, but that's what I love about Austin. It's just so damn small. You've seen us go before? I saw him outside of Guero's. And I saw you outside Guero's, too. You saw my car, I saw your legs. Now, look, I ain't stalking y'all, but I didn't say I wasn't a wolf. So you really weren't following us? I'm not following you, Butterfly. I just got lucky. So? How about that lap dance? Sorry, it was a one-time only offer, and she did it earlier this evening at Anton's. No, she didn't. How do you know? I'm good, though. And you look a little too shade. What's too shade? Wounded slightly. Why should I be wounded? Because you expected guys to be pestering you all night, but from your look, I can tell nobody pestered you at all. That kind of hurt your feelings a little bit, didn't it? There are few things as fetching as a bruised ego on a beautiful angel. So... Well, since you'll be leaving in the next couple of days, that rain check will be worthless. But that's okay. I understand if I make you uncomfortable. You're still a nice girl. And I still like you. But I must warn you of something. You know how people say, you're okay in my book, or in my book, that's no good. Well, I actually have a book and everybody I ever meet goes in this book and now I've met you and you're going in the book <laughs> except I'm afraid I must file you under chicken shit and what if I did it well, I definitely couldn't follow you under chicken shit then, now could I? What's your name again? Stuntman Mike. Well, Stuntman Mike. I'm Butterfly. My friend Jungle Julie over here says that jukebox inside is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Why don't you go get ready for your lap dance? So the poem is an excerpt from... Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. Okay. Thought and it was a, Frost. Yep. And it says it's also a reference to the 70s thrower Telephone or Telephone, T E L E F O N, in which the poem was used as a post hypnotic signal to activate Russian sleeper agents. Oh, that's right. Have you seen that movie? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. I don't think I've heard of it before. What was it called again? The title? Telephone or Telephone? I don't know. It's like a foreign spelling of telephone. Yeah. I remember hearing uh, something about that storyline, reading about this poem, I don't know, years ago. So yeah, then we get the missing reel in the Grindhouse version or the actual lap dance. I was very aware of the age difference between the two watching at this time. Because Kurt Russell seems significantly older than her. 
I looked it up. He's 26 years older than her. Mm. So he He's f- old enough to be my dad. I can still hear you. <laughs> he was 56 in 2007, and uh, uh, Vanessa Fertillo was 30. So, I don't know. I just noticed it more this time. I don't know why. Yeah. Then again, it's Hollywood. That's par for the course. Not in a Harvey Weinstein picture. Weinstein's like, she's too old. Get her out of my sight. <laughs> Why'd you cast all these old women? <laughs> Quentin. It's gross. Then everyone leaves at the same time. I guess it was bar clothes. Because that's what Most people do. They get liquored up, they get shit face drunk, and then they go on a long drive <laughs> to a, you know, a beach home. Yeah, I don't know. They had that Lena Frank uh, character came in. She was supposed to get weed for them because Jungle yeah. Julia was tired of holding weed for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's such a pain to go get it and blah, blah, blah. And she couldn't get it from the guys because then they'd be obligated. And she's smoking it in the beginning of the movie in her place with a bong. She's smoking out of a bong. Like she, so why uh, could she, that was the last bit she had? Either she, she used it all up or she's holding out on them. But yeah, I don't know that Lena Frank came later. So I guess she was driving. So I don't know. Maybe she was more sober, but it was weird. Smoking that reefer. Because Pam was talking to Julia and Arlene. I think it was those two. And I was like, I thought you guys hated each other. Like, why are you talking to each other like this now? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Until Stuntman Mike comes. And they start walking towards his car. And then Jungle Julia makes a snide comment, which Pam is offended by. And <laughs> Mike is even more offended by Pam's response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said. And then we find out what makes a car a death proof, which is our next clip. Wow, that's fucking scary. Yeah, well, I wanted it to be impressive. Scary tends to impress. Is it safe? Oh, it's better than safe. It's death-proof. How do you make a car death-proof? Well, that's what stuntmen do. You've seen a movie where a car gets into some smash-up there ain't no way in hell anybody's walking away from. Yeah. Well, how do you think they accomplish that? CGI? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, Pam, nowadays, more often than not, you're right. But back in the all-or-nothing days, vanishing point days, the dirty Mary Crazy Larry days white line fever days real cars smashing into real cars real dumb people driving so give a stunt team the car you want to smash up take her and reinforce that fucker everywhere and voila you got yourself a death-proof automobile that makes sense i just didn't know you could make a car death-proof hell i can drive this baby into a brick wall doing 125 miles an hour just for the experience yeah he can't do it he can't do that 125 into a brick wall yeah he's not gonna survive that i don't care how death proof the car is he almost died when he kills him in about two minutes <laughs> well he didn't almost die he, he had a few minor injuries and broke was laid up bone, he broke uh his nose <laughs> concussion pinky but that was 
Um, but in 07, the other car is probably going 60 miles an hour. He's going, I don't know, 120. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he got that far. I mean, he didn't get that far out ahead of him, but yeah. 2007, they don't care about concussions. They're just like, let them sleep it off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The truth. (laughs) But I. He lists off three movies there, Vanishing Point, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, and White Line Fever. I've seen, I have seen. I own two of those. I've seen two, uh, all three. Well, oh, you've seen White Line? I haven't seen White Line Fever. It's, a, it's like a trucking movie. Is it like a bootlegging movie? Like Smokey and the Bandit almost? I'm trying to think. Or, you know, smuggling stuff across state lines. I can't remember what the deal was, but yeah, it's it's basically uh, semi trucks, is what. The, or he's like a, a guy is driving a semi truck, and guys are uh, people are trying to like get get them. I can't remember exactly the whole premise, but uh, it was okay. The other two are a lot better. I liked a lot more. Yeah, um, I've been meaning to revisit uh, Vanishing Point. I haven't watched it since I bought it about. 10 years ago maybe a little longer i bought it because of this movie yeah exactly that's that's the reason why i watched it for the first time because i hadn't i had not even heard of it before this movie dirty mary crazy larry i think i saw maybe five years ago on netflix yeah you recommended that to me i ended up buying that sight unseen because it came in a two-pack with race with the devil Mm -hmm. which is another one that i really liked yeah. And it's worth it. It was like 10 bucks for a Blu-ray. Did anybody see anything? <laughs> Did anybody hear anything? <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. So, so White Line Fever, it's about a truck driver who goes independent. And the, uh, like the industry guys don't like that. So they're trying to like kill him so that he can't run his own truck. Yeah. I thought White Line Fever was going to be about cocaine, and it's not. There's no cocaine in it. Not in the story, at least. Maybe, you know, backs behind the camera, but none of it is about cocaine. I thought Cocaine Cowboys was going to have some cowboys in it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, now we get to the first death, which is uh, our next clip, coincidentally. This is one of my favorite lines. You know, which way are you going? You know, because he watches them peel out, mm-hmm. Julia and her friends, and they go left. And then you'll see here in the clip, Pam's reaction is she realizes she's fucked up. <laughs> well, Pam, which way are you going? Left or right? Right. Ah, that's too bad. Why? Well, because it was a 50-50 shot on whether you'd be going left or right. You see, we're both going left. You could have just as easily been going left, too, and if that was the case, it would have been a while before you started getting scared. But since you're going the other way, I'm afraid you're going to have to start getting scared immediately.
Russell needs a new pair of shorts. <laughs> I love the way Michael Parks describes like his theory. Right. It's like twisted metal, hundred miles an hour. Only way that he can like what shoot his goo. <laughs> right. I think uh Pam, you know, this is a joke, right? I know all about jokes. <laughs> Uh, it's not a joke. Uh, the line delivery on this is a this car is a hundred percent death proof is uh, just fantastic. You know, to get the benefit, you have to be sitting in my seat. Mm-hmm. And then he slams the brakes, and she just smashes her face on the dashboard. Brutal. Mm-hmm. Brutal way to go. And then. We get the uh, the next crash scene. I should say, I guess the first crash because he hasn't crashed yet. Right. But uh, yeah, the the multiple murder. So he kills a total of five, and uh, the woman with four people in it. Um, he got handed Tarantino another great soundtrack. I never really heard of. Uh, God, it's got such a long name. The song is called "Hold Tight" by. Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. <laughs> I like the little history lesson with uh, would have been and Pete, if Pete Townsend would have left the Who and been with them. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's a really cool song. And there's, I mean, a lot of cool songs in the jukebox at the bar. Yeah, great soundtrack all around. Yeah, the song played over the lap dance is one of my favorites. It's uh, the coasters down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a song. Yep. She wore a red bandana. All right. Well, yeah, we get the crashes filmed from all angles. We get a close-up of what happens to each girl in the car. I remember seeing this in the theater. It was like one of the coolest scenes that I may have seen in the theater. Just like. Because, like you said, they show the crash four different times, so you get to see what each person, you know, experienced. Mm-hmm. Like, first you see Shanna getting ejected out the windshield. You know, she's sitting in the back seat, but she's, like, singing along with the two in the front. And so she's ejected through the air, you know. Who knows where she landed? Mm-hmm. And then what? We get Julia has her leg out the window. 
great special effects on that leg and <laughs> severed that very long leg <laughs> just kind of jiggling down the road from the six foot tall baby giraffe <laughs> <laughs> doesn't she have a big ass i mean she's got a big ass <laughs> Not like a black girl's ass, but just a big ass. (laughs) Imagine if they made this movie today and they put that line in there and everybody's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's one, God, I can't remember what comedian it was, but like, back in the day when Comedy Central used to show stand-up comedy, I always remember there's one comedian who had a joke and I wish I remembered who he was. I can't remember if it was a, a big name or not, but he had a joke about how everybody in Hollywood talks about J-Lo's got the biggest ass. And he's like, have you been to Wisconsin? Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> like, you have never been to Wisconsin. <laughs> if you think J-Lo has a big ass. <laughs> Sorry to all of our Wisconsin listeners out there. We don't want to offend anyone, but uh, well, you should know. Fuck the Packers. Yeah. If you're in Wisconsin, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've been around. You've been around. Uh, let's see. Well, the driver, Lena Frank, she just kind of gets whiplashed, and then poor Arlene gets a fucking tire run over her fucking face. Feels <laughs> <laughs> like a burnout on her face. <laughs> it's it's pretty graphic but it's it's so well shot and it's just you know they ramp it up to a hundred you know after that slow build through the first half of the movie mm-hmm. but it was funny because he he just blows by them on the on the road does a 180 and then he's sitting there with his lights off and then he just floors it and then right before he hits them he turns them lights on and then you know, boom. We cut to the hospital. We're all the sheriff and doctor from Planet Terror there. Mm-hmm. It's obviously pre pre pandemic, if you will. Yeah, like Michael Parks. I'll tell you like the good like uh, the good Lord told John. Is that what he says? I can't remember if that's if he does it again. <laughs> it sure as hell or I'll make goddamn sure it's not in Texas. Right. He goes to Lebanon, Tennessee, which I, for a second, I thought that's where Tarantino was born, but he was actually born in Knoxville, Tennessee. You know who's the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee is? That uh, Kane? Yeah. Yeah. Kane. <laughs> Hall of Famer. <laughs> Glenn Jacobs. He's a Hall of Famer now, isn't he? Or not yet? Not yet. No. He, I don't know. It, it was still unclear of whether he was still wrestling or not. Like up to maybe a year ago. I was going to ask when was his last appearance. It was after he was elected mayor. Like he showed up a couple times. Actually, he showed up. They did a a going away thing for The Undertaker at the Survivor Series in November. And they had a bunch of old wrestlers come out to the ring. And then they left immediately. I don't know why they did it. But Kane (laughs) showed up in full costume and all these other guys are just wearing their regular clothes. (laughs) And like everybody was making jokes like, you know, all the the wrestlers got together and like, we're going to play a joke on Kane and tell him we're all coming in our full gear. (laughs) And he's the only one came with his mask and his spandex and stuff. And everybody else is there in their suits or their t-shirts and jeans or whatever. 
That was pretty funny. But I I don't know, like his last appearance before that, it was maybe a year or so before. And it was, they were in, I think they were in Knoxville. So he ended up winning the 24-7 championship and then he lost back the same day. But yeah. Uh, I think it's also worth, worth mentioning that Michael Parks is Earl McGraw, I believe it is. Uh, it's also the Sheriff from Kill Bill and also from, from Dust Till Dawn. It's like the same character in all those movies. Yeah, and he doesn't survive most of those movies. Mm-hmm. Also, Dust Planet Dawn. Terror. Also, <laughs> yeah, Planet du- Terror. <laughs> yeah, from Dust Till Dawn, another uh, Rodriguez uh, film. And Rodriguez did the music for Kill Bill. So, him and Tarantino were like this in the uh, 2000s. I forget. Did Tarantino write? From Dust Till Dawn? I know you uh, acted in it. Yeah, he... We did a full episode. Back and forth. We should know. Yeah, that's right. We did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. It was a while ago. It's been a few years. I, I kind of think he did write it, and then he let think, Rodriguez to write half, it. and Rodriguez did another half, because I think it's like you can... The movie's like... Uh, Full Metal Jacket, and it's like two different movies put together. Right. And I think Tarantino wrote the first half, and Rodriguez wrote the second half. The first half is just like a a crime caper. Right. With, with the creepy perverts. pedophile. <laughs> creepy pedophile Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> what was that? You want me to lick your feet? <laughs> No. <laughs> Speaking of feet, here comes uh, 14 months later at a convenience store in Lebanon, Tennessee. Rosario Dawson got her feet hanging out a window of a car. Mm-hmm. man Mike is over there. She's kind of taking a look. And then he almost licks her and then just kind of licks his finger. Like, yeah. And then touches her toes and <laughs> child, here where are my keys here they are <laughs> but i think he rubbed her toes the opposite way of like the opposite direction he was going yeah well he like he walked towards the front of the car but he i think he brushed her feet going towards the back yeah it was definitely suspect for sure well he also tickled her feet before that you know, he rubbed his finger along the arch of her foot. And then he, he did the whole saliva thing. You could think her feet would be wet, you know? Like, she, she would be able to feel that. Well, I don't know, maybe, but. Yeah. Fucking gross. <laughs> this is probably the movie uh, of Tarantino's that he rewatches the most. Well, I told you, he's the director of photography. So he's like, we got to get some feet shots in. <laughs> yeah, it didn't need Roger Deakins for this one. Like my well, other I don't guy, think Deakins has done any Tarantino films. It's like the guy I usually work with always does these other shots where there aren't feet in the shot. I don't know what he's thinking. Wait, did uh did Deakins do Hateful Eight? I'm wondering. But you can continue, I'll I'll look this up. Yeah, anyways, they're at this convenience store and they're getting supplies and 
it's uh, Kim, who's the stunt woman, Abernathy, who's the uh, makeup artist, and uh, Lee, who is in her cheerleading outfit as the star of the cheerleading movie. And apparently they're all off for three days. We found out, we find out later after they go pick up Zoe Bell at the airport. And they're talking about their uh, on-set hookups. And they're giving Abernathy shit because she was getting cozy with the director and he slept with somebody else on her birthday after eating her birthday cake and getting her a present. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Lee is hooking up with like an electrician and a, a grip. One of them looks like The Rock. Uh, fucking Daryl Hannah standing. That takes some oh, skill. Right. Although it's a li- it should be easier to fuck Daryl Hannah standing since she's tall. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I think, I don't know. That was probably my, the most boring scene of the movie for me is that car ride to the diner. I yeah. thought it was the diner scene, but it, I think this one is worse than the diner scene. And I think that's partly why people don't like this movie so much because there's so much girl talk. Yeah. Like, like it's technically like an action movie, thriller, a little bit of horror elements in there. So I think people get bored with the talking in it. And like I said, especially when it was immediately falling planet terror. Like, so you spent like 40 minutes getting to the action in the first part and then you get a little taste and then you go right back to that that slow, heavy dialogue section uh, to start the second half. But although I I do think it fits the kind of the exploitation film aesthetic with the bad dialogue, the long pointless scenes, right. the pointless the pointless subplots like the Chris Simonson non-character in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> well he texted back once you know he did but you never see him he never shows up but i i think you get a little bit of character development out of it too because you get you know you get a, a, a glimpse of who these characters are outside of just you know bait for stuntman mike but uh, and then the diner scene too i can see why people would I think a lot of people just compare it to Reservoir Dogs because obviously they're both Tarantino movies and they're shot very similarly. And I think Reservoir Dogs does it a lot better. But I think a lot of people don't like Death Proof because they they all they can think about is Reservoir Dogs when they're seeing this diner scene. Yeah, these girls are talking about you know the falling in a ditch and all that stuff, but you get more exposition out of this than you do in Reservoir Dogs, where it's like completely unrelated to the plot other than there's these guys who are just hanging out at, at the diner before they go do a job, which you find out later. The subplot with the Italian Vogue thing just has nothing to do with the rest <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, it never comes up again. Yeah, because even when she's talking to Jasper, she has she still has the Allure magazine that she shows him. Yeah. You don't even see him like looking at the Italian Vogue. So we're splitting it three ways, $27. Yeah, it never appears. It's, a, it's just a, a concept that they talked about. 
<laughs> so a reason to have Nikki Cat in. But in the diner scene, you get the, you know, you get some foreshadowing of Zoe Bell being indestructible, if not a little clumsy. Yeah. You get the uh, warning that Kim carries a loaded gun, which comes into play later. And then you get Zoe talking about, well, when I'm here in America, I want to drive a American muscle car. And oh, by the way, just coincidentally, the exact car that I've wanted to drive is right here in town. In Lebanon, Tennessee. <laughs> She's subs- Okay, so Lebanon, Tennessee is mailing their newspaper to New Zealand. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because they got a... She got a, like an actual newspaper. It wasn't like a uh, like an online subscription or anything like that. It was a real newspaper being delivered halfway across the world. Yeah, and this isn't USA Today, which I'm sure is pretty easy uh, to subscribe to across the world. I mean, back in the 2000s or 90s, if you wanted an actual subscription, sure, it'd probably be a day late, but I don't know. They have affiliates, maybe not, that they can print over there in other countries. But this small-town newspaper, you'd have to pay so much in shipping costs. Right. When with the local newspapers, usually, you know, if you get delivery, it's they deliver it themselves. They don't, like, mail it to you. They send yeah. somebody around with a, a bundle of newspapers, and they just throw it in your driveway. <laughs> yep. And then you throw it in the garbage. <laughs> oh, that's the, it's the, it's the weekly uh, advertisement. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, this uh, leads us to our first clip. Or I mean, our first clip of the second half, I should say. There's only two. <laughs> you thought about what you want to do first? It just so happens. I know exactly what I want to do. Oh, really? And what would that be? To me, there's no point in being in America unless you can drive a Detroit muscle car. And I want to drive a Dodge Challenger. <laughs> Fuck me swinging balls out. <laughs> um, well, I guess we can talk to Transpo, but does it have to be a Dodge Challenger? Not just that. It has to be a 1970 Dodge Challenger with a 440 engine. <laughs> How in the fuck do you expect to do that? No worries, mate. I've got it all worked out. When I knew I was coming here, I went online and found out that the local paper here in Tennessee is the Lebanon New Sentinel. So, back home... I'm sorry, where's home? Australia, right? Mm. What do you mean by that, mate? It's always from New Zealand. And you never, I repeat, never call a Kiwi an Aussie. That is, unless you want your ass kicked. I'm so sorry. I'm really... <laughs> oh, it's okay. We're just taking the piss out of you, mate. <laughs> Auckland, to answer your question. Anyway, I subscribed to the local paper a month ago. Now, why the fuck you want a local redneck newspaper in New Zealand? Pipe down, and I'll tell you. I've been getting the paper for the last month, mm-hmm. and I've been checking the classified at the back, looking at cars for sale. So, as of yesterday, for sale in this town... Some dude is selling a stock 1970 Dodge Challenger with a 440 engine and a white paint job. And you want to buy it? Okay. 
Kim, I may be stupid, but I'm not bloody stupid. I want to say I want to buy it, so he'll let me test drive it. A 1970 Dodge Challenger with a white paint job? Oh, a Kowalski. Kowalski from Vanishing Point. Mate, it's a fucking classic. If I can get this guy to let me drive it without him, I will blow the doors off that bitch. What's Vanishing Point? What's Vanishing Point? Abs, I'm supposed to be the little one. It's just one of the best American movies ever made. Actually, Zoe, most girls wouldn't know Vanishing Point. Excuse me, most girls? What the fuck are you two? Yeah, well, we're gearheads. Of course we watched it. Y'all grew up watching that Pretty in Pink shit. <laughs> oh, I like Pretty in Pink. What? So you didn't watch John Hughes movies? Of course I did. I'm a girl. But I also watched car shit, too. Vanishing Point, Dirty Mary, Crazy mm -hmm, Larry, mm -hmm. Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, oh. The real one? Not that Angelina Jolie bullshit. Uh, we have an outdoor theater in Auckland. Plays Vanishing Point. Big Wednesday. All the classics. I don't know if I like the way she says classics. Kind of bothers me. Well, it's her accents in general, right? <laughs> I do like Zoe Bell, though. I never liked the part where there, she asked if she's from Australia, and then uh, the other two were like, don't ever call an Aussie a <laughs> Kiwi or a Kiwi an Aussie. <laughs> I just didn't like that line. And then yeah. they're just joking anyways. But, <laughs> but it just yeah. happens to be this perfect car in this town that they're spending time in. They have days off. They're not doing anything, and this guy just happens to be selling his Vanishing Point 1970 Dodge Challenger. Yep, Zoe Bell was a famously stunt woman for Uma Thurman in the Kill Bill movies. Also, another fun fact, their car's paint job is modeled after Uma Thurman's suit in Kill Bill Volume 1. And in a... Yeah. And also, of course, Bruce Lee's in uh, Game of Death, I believe it is. So on the back of their Mustang, there's a, it looks like the Pussy Wagon sticker, but I think it. Yeah, it said something else, but. Well, I think it actually. Did it say Pussy Wagon? I think it said like Little Pussy Wagon or something like that. <laughs> it's in the trivia somewhere. Yeah. Has that uh, Daryl Hannah whistling as her ringer? On uh, Abernathy's phone, which is funny because her guy she wants fucked Daryl Hannah standing. She's <laughs> Daryl Hannah whistling on her phone from Kill Bill. Ironic. Which I think uh, I also saw that the the woman who played Lena Frank in Death Proof was Daryl Hannah's stand-in or stunt double in the Kill Bill movies. Okay, that makes sense. It's all connected. God forbid Quentin Tarantino come up with an original idea, right? <laughs> it says universe, man. Big Kahuna Burger. It Red Apple sits, cigarettes. He just sits down to write a script and it's like the end of the usual suspects where like they're just looking at stuff on the wall of stuff that he's done already and just putting it all together in a new story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that pretty much leads us to our last clip. They gotta go to Jasper's. Try and get the car. Swindle him out of, uh, swindle him for a test drive, I guess. So this Jasper character was in Kill Bill also. 
he's uh, apparently the one that rapes the bride in the hospital. No, that's different. That's what the trivia says, but. Well, they're wrong because he does not play Buck. Buck. No, he's the guy that pays Buck to let him in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep, that is him. He gets his tongue ripped off. Is he, I I meant to look, is he in a bunch of Adam Sandler stuff too? Yeah, he's in all of his movies. They're friends. He was in uh, Waterboy, Big Daddy, a bunch of them after that. Yeah, Waterboy, Big Daddy, Lil Nicky, Dickie Roberts, former child star, Grandma's Boy. He's a happy medicine founding member, I think. Yeah, so you, you definitely recognize him from all those movies. Anyways, so Zoe decides she wants to go play what they call ship's mast on this uh, Dodge Challenger. And Kim says, remember what you said last time we did it? And apparently last time they did it, Zoe said, never again. And if I try to, you know, do it again, you need to stop me, no matter what I say. (laughs) Except for she didn't know that she was going to be driving a Vanishing Point Challenger, so that changes everything. And mm-hmm. so they don't want Abernathy to come with them because it's too dangerous. But Abernathy is, you know, she's sick of being told that she can't come along with them. And they, they'd say it's because she's a mother, which throughout the whole movie, there's no other mention of her being a mother <laughs> or her kids or anything like that. Meanwhile, Lee he falls asleep on a Yeah, how does she fall bar. asleep in some stranger's yard? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but they cut a deal with Abernathy. If you can get the guy to agree to let us take out the car without him, you can come with us. And so Abernathy's got a plan, and it's pretty clever. Uh, it's a very Harvey Weinstein plan, I think. <laughs> But it works. Here it is. Hello, sir. Hello. Hello, what's your name? Jasper. Hello, Jasper. I'm Abernathy. Aber what? Abernathy. What's your first name? That is my first name. What kind of first name is that? You know what? Just call me Abby. Okay. Abby. Jasper, we were wondering if my friends and I could take the car out for a little test drive out on our own. You know, just to see if we're comfortable in it. Why would I do something stupid like that? to better sell your automobile. Well, how do I know y'all ain't just gonna steal it? Four reasons, actually. One, we're not thieves. Two, that would be rude. Three, we're staying at the Days Inn in town. You can call the hotel, check with management. We're registered for the next month. Actually, Zoe's not, but Kim and I are, so we're totally track downable. Who's Kim? The color girl? Yes, Kim would be the girl of color. And reason number four, and the most important, while we're taking the car out for a little spin, that'll give you a better opportunity to get acquainted with our other friends. Lee. <laughs> Why does she look kind of familiar? That would be because she's a famous actress. Why'd she dress like that? Well, you see, we're making a Hollywood movie in town, and it's a cheerleader movie, and she's one of the cheerleaders. What's a cheerleader movie? A movie about cheerleaders. Is it a porno movie? Yes, it is. <laughs> but 
Don't mention it. She's shy. Lee, this is Jasper. Jasper Lee. Now you two kids stay out of trouble. Hey, good looking. Be back to pick you up later. Jasper. You know he's going to do things to her. He does have a good rape voice. I'll give him that. <laughs> and a look too. Like he's a total package. Mm-hmm. I like how Lee doesn't wake up till they honk the horn at her and then she's just totally left in the dark as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're just leaving her behind. She's basically collateral so that they bring the car back. <laughs> Maybe. Oh. This is where everything picks up. You get the get them all set up to to do ship's mast, which involves putting a belt on each side of the 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 windshield, wrap it around the 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 car door frame, and then while Kim's driving the car, Zoe climbs out of the window and onto the hood, uh, and hangs on by the the two belts with her back to the hood which Mm -hmm. is frightening although she starts out on top which kind of does look like a ship mast but yeah then she gets right down on the hood (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i think she intended to do that uh what she didn't intend is for stuntman mike to come out of nowhere and bump the car from behind and uh it's pretty amazing the stunts that Zoe Bell does in this movie. And she does all of her own stunts, which is even more amazing because they didn't like, there's not like weird cuts and stuff. There's long takes of her on the hood Mm -hmm. getting bumped and not having stuff to hold on to, but still maintaining her her balance on the, on the hood. It's, it's fucking amazing shit. Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that with stunt work. I don't know. I, I guess I just never caught it before. I wasn't paying attention. But uh, uh, at the end of the first part of the chase, when they spin out, and Kurt Russell's like, oh, that was fun. You know, adios. When they spin her car around, you can tell it's like a dummy that's attached to the hood. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. It's not her. <laughs> when, it's when she spin- gets launched. When she gets launched into the briar patch. Yeah, because you don't even see her get launched, but she's missing from the hood, so you know she was. <laughs> but yeah. just that little shot of like um, the front end turning to the side of the road, spinning out. It's just like just like a dummy just glued to the hood. <laughs> I'll have to look for that next time. But that's pretty funny. You know, they like you said, they both eventually spin out. And stuntman Mike's like, well, I've had my fun, you know, I'm going to taunt them a little bit and then uh, head on my way. Well, fucking Kim's packing, if you remember from the diner scene. Mm-hmm. And she unloads her clip on him or her, you know, whatever. She's got a six shooter or whatever it is. Yeah. Hits him in the arm one time. And uh, that takes a lot of steam out of stuntman Mike's sails. <laughs> goes from an alpha to a beta pretty quick sure does 
and he was a teetotaler in the first half, but this half he's got a half a bottle of Jim Beam in his uh, glove compartment, mm-hmm. and he's down in that, and then he's pouring it on his wound, and ooh, he is screaming like a child. Yeah, I was thinking about that this time. I think it's just because I think he is like a regular drinker, heavy drinker, but he just had to abstain that night so he could, you know, have no alcohol in his system. Yeah, it was definitely a plan in the first half of the movie to get away with vehicular homicide. (laughs) (laughs) Targeting a group of women who are intoxicated. He's stone sober, you know, and he's got witnesses to, you know, corroborate that. Um, But yeah, it makes sense that it was just a ploy to get away with it. Whereas in this movie, like he wasn't planning on taking it that far. Like he got Zoe off the hood. I don't know. He was just fucking with these, these women just, you know, for shits and giggles. Yeah. But now he's being hunted because Zoe pops up, you know, they think she's dead. They're crying in the car and she just pops up like fucking, I don't know, some kind of cartoon character. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. And then they decide they're just going to go murder someone. So I wrote, my last note, I think, is like, all the girls in the second half are going to jail. Well, Lee might just be six feet under somewhere or something like that, but <laughs> the other ones, they're going to jail. <laughs> they well, literally chased down and murdered somebody. They have cell yes. phones. They could call the cops because <laughs> it's not being self-defense once once they uh, uh, started chasing after him. Once, once he fled the scene, you know. And endangered about two dozen other drivers on the road. Yeah, they wrecked a bunch of other just <laughs> innocent bystanders. <laughs> but, you know, that and chase And then they beat him to death. <laughs> yeah, that chase is fantastic. Uh, of them, you know, just following him, bumping him. Kim gets really aggressive. She's driving the yeah. car. Tap, tap, tapping that ass. Can't get away without tapping that ass one more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he eventually gets flipped. They eventually flip his car a few times. And like you said, they just beat the ever-loving shit out of him. Which is hilarious, I think. Um, especially when it cuts to credits are in direct by Tarantino and then it comes back for another like five seconds where Abernathy just stomps him. Just axe kicks it on the <laughs> fucking head. Just, yeah. Just through his face with her fucking high heel shoe. Yeah. But it's really funny, uh, I guess technically it'll be right before it, it cuts to credits when they all throw their hands in the air and cheer. <laughs> I guess that's uh I don't think I've seen a Shaw Brothers film, but I guess that's how Shaw Brothers films end. I don't know. I've I've heard their name a few times recently, but I don't know if I would know what they've what they've directed. They're all it was a bunch of martial arts films from seventies and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I heard that was an homage to Shaw Brothers film. I mean Tarantino, he's just homaging everything you know in his movies anything else you want to uh, talk about or you want to get into fun facts 
No, I think we could get into fun facts. I mean, we covered pretty much everything. Um, yeah, some of the best chase scenes in the history of, of uh, movies, if I say so myself. Worth it for that, that last 25 minutes, you know, worth all the other stuff. Maybe you can uh, provide the audience with, with some insight into how, uh, how it is for you watching this movie being such a huge Dodge guy. Can you just contain your excitement <laughs> when the Challenger roars on the screen? I mean, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting to see that. You, you build me up as a car guy. I'm not really a car guy. But you're a Dodge guy. I mean, I have a Dodge. Yeah, but you talk shit about Fords and Mustangs all the time, and you're talking about Dodges. and Well, just because I don't like Fords doesn't mean that I'm a car guy. Kind of. People that aren't car people don't have opinions on, like, a on brand. Cars? No, a brand. <laughs> unless, uh, unless you're a truck guy. I guess you could say they're kind of different people like in the country. This is Ford or Chevy, you know? Yeah. Truck people. But you don't have a truck. You're a Dodge guy, and you just hate Fords. I've, I've owned, I've owned four cars, and one of them was a Dodge. Yeah, the other three were GMs. Yeah, so I just like having a V8. <laughs> I have a Hemi. <laughs> Nobody else has V8s in their their sedans anymore, so it's like there's no competition. So. <laughs> Yeah. That's all. That's basically it. It was like a, they had a a Chevy Impala with a V8, and then they got rid of their V8s, and then uh, Dodge didn't. So, mm-hmm. but it is. All right, let's get into the trivia. Hey, everybody! Here's some fun facts. So Tarantino came up with the idea of death proof when he was having a drunken hotel night with friend Sean Penn. Tarantino, I don't know what a drunken hotel night means. <laughs> Hopefully Weinstein wasn't there. You don't want to go to his hotels. Uh, Tarantino wanted to buy a Volvo because he didn't want to die in some auto accident like the one in Pulp Fiction. In regards to the safety of the car, Sean Penn said, well, you could take any car and give it to a stunt team and for 10000 or $15,000, they can death proof it for you. The death-proof phrase had stuck to Tarantino after that. Mm. Here's a fun fact. The film was physically scratched to achieve its dirty look rather than digitally scratch the film footage. So they intentionally ruined the film. Here's a fun fact. So during the first crash, the four girls are listening to Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. In 1960, Eddie Cochran was killed in England when he was thrown through the windshield of a taxi which had hit a light pole. A young police cadet at the station responsible for the investigation taught himself to play guitar with Cochran's impounded uh, Gretsch, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, from the no wrecked idea. car. His name was David Harmon, later become Dave D. There you go. The jukebox named... Uh, capital A, capital M, lowercase I, which is pronounced Amy, is Quentin Tarantino's own. It was trucked to Austin to be used in the film in its very own rig. Both the songs on it was also handwritten by Tarantino 
And one of the songs is You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry, which is what Mia and Vincent danced to in Pulp Fiction. Here's another fun fact. The two death-proof cars are a 1970 Chevy Nova and a 1969 Dodge Charger. Here's a fun fact. This one, uh, I'm not sure if it's true, but I'll just say it because it's fascinating. I don't know why they would cut this. A scene was cut showing stuntman Mike masturbating in his flipped over car after the first car crashed. <laughs> it was deemed unnecessary since the following scene would have Texas Ranger Earl McGraw hypothesized to his son that stuntman Mike's acts were murders of a sexual nature. I mean, you could have cut out the cops talking about it. I guess, I guess, I guess you needed the, for the movie, like a ex, like bad exploitation movie, the guy kind of beating it, but yeah, maybe not a guy. It, it makes it too obvious because you almost have to have the cop hypothesize it to show that he's because everything else indicates that he's, you know, 100% correct about what happened and why he did it. Yeah. So, like, it does make it a little redundant if you have, you know, all that in addition to the cop explaining it. But <laughs> I don't know. That would have been an interesting scene. Did it say they filmed it or that they, because I wonder that if that's included on the special features. Yeah, it says a scene was cut. Yeah, maybe I should look into it. <laughs> how good Kurt Russell's acting is in that kind oh of a scene. Boy. Oh boy. Uh, so it says Jack Burton's tank top from the movie Big Trouble in Little China can be seen hung up on the wall of the bar where the first segment of the film takes place. It is right above Jungle Julia uh, slightly to the right of the Amy jukebox. So keep an eye out for that next time you watch it. Here's another fun fact. Rosario Dawson convinced Quentin Tarantino to cut her hair like pinup icon Betty Page for her role. I was going to mention that Rosario Dawson has one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in this movie. Just, mm. It's just terrible. I don't yeah. like it at all. It's not the best. It's like a part in the back of her head and then she's got real short bangs in the front. <laughs> it just does not look good. Mm -hmm. It's like a mullet almost. Yeah. And then she's got it in a ponytail. Her whole outfit is weird. That gray skirt dress thing. Yeah, it was, a, it was like a sweatpants, or, but it's a skirt. The parachute pants or something. <laughs> it's a very strange ensemble. Uh, the Circle A convenience store is the same fictional chain used in suburbia from Tarantino's friend Richard Linklater. I'm trying to think if I've seen that. I've seen a something like that but i can't remember if it was that one or if it was a different one it was on demand a while back and i had it saved to my list but i never watched it i missed this watching it and i meant to go back and look but it says kurt russell can be seen eating in the background through the diner scene in the film's second half so i have to look for him next time too did you see that him eating in the background of the diner who kurt russell says he was in the diner scene eating in the background uh, i missed it i guess yeah i i didn't see it either i'll have to look for that 
Uh, it says here the Chevy Nova has the same license plate of the 67 Mustang from Bullet. I thought they looked a little similar. Yeah, I think there's another one that says it's the same type of car. Or at least one of them is the same type of car. As in, or maybe it's the Mustang. I forget. Uh, more jukebox trivia that Amy jukebox is the same one as the opening diner scene in Natural Born Killers. Which is a little hard for me to believe that Tarantino was like, yeah, that's my jukebox. <laughs> Unless he bought it afterward. I don't know. It was just the same uh, model, not the exact same one. Uh, the song Plain Well, Jungle Julia texts a mystery character is the theme song from the movie Blowout. I remember watching Blowout the first time. I'm like, I know this music from something. And I was <laughs> thinking for a while, I was like, wait a minute. That's that from that dumb scene in Death Proof. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with anything? Yeah. So according to Tarantino Universe aficionados, this is the third appearance of Jungle Julia. The first was as Unruly Julie and My Best Friend's Birthday from 1987, mentioned as a rival DJ to Clarence. And the second was as Wayne Gale's assistant in Natural Born Killers. Wayne Gale. Wayne Gale. The license plate on Stuntman Mike's 69 Charger is the same as the 69 Charger in Dirty Mary Crazy Larry, driven by Peter Fonda. 938 Dan. D-A-N. Okay. And the car scene with Abernathy, Kim, Lee, and Zoe, the girls are discussing men they had they have had relationships with on a movie set they work on. In the scene, Kim mentions that Lee has a relationship with a man known as The Rock on the crew of the film set. When Zoe Bell asks if it's the actual actor Dwayne Johnson, Lee explains that it's actually just an electrician named Bruce who looks like The Rock. In the closing credits of Kill Bill Volume 2 in the grips section, one of the names of the grips is Bruce Del Castillo, nicknamed The Rock in the credits. And that is a scientific fact! Alright. Um, I think that's about do it. There's a few more, but any other ones that jump out at you? I think we, get, we uh, listed enough. Yeah, I think we covered most of the interesting ones. All right. Before I get into how you can reach out to us, why don't you uh, update us on your podcast and tell us about the merch you get for your podcast and this one. Yeah, you can check out my other podcast, the Positively Wolfy podcast. You can find that wherever you're listening to this show, unless you're listening it on WTMWatchesMovie.com. But... <laughs> Any podcast app you can find Positively Wolfy Podcast. Uh, we provide unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. So each episode has three real news articles that are pretty wacky or just unusual in some way, and we discuss them. We often get off on tangents, talking about stories that they remind this, that the articles remind us of, or movies, or TV shows, and things like that. It's pretty fun. And then you can get merch for both the podcast on teespring.com. For WTM, go to teespring.com 
slash stores slash WTM watch this movie for Positively Wolfie. Go to teespring.com slash stores slash Positively Wolfie. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at Positively Wolf One. You can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com. And you can check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. Please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.